message uh, for the Sunday after Christmas. Well, did you get everything you wanted? Yes? I got to tell you, I'm going to tell my daughter, Katie. Sorry, Katie. So we got done opening up all of our gifts, and and uh, it was great. We had a great Christmas, and it, it's just fun to see the joy people get when they think, oh, I didn't know what to get you, but I got this. And they're like, it's perfect. It's me, you know, and and all this hugging and all this. And it's just great. There's something about, you know, somebody said, well, where did we get the idea of, I think one of my kids this Christmas around this, where would the idea of giving gifts come from at Christmas time? I said, "Uh, the three wise men (laughs) or the four or five or six of them. I don't know how many there were. We say there were three because there were three gifts, but the Bible doesn't really say how many wise men there were. Um, But everything was done and Katie pulls out these envelopes. I'm thinking, oh man, she got me some money. And, uh, which I knew it couldn't be true because I bought most of her presents for her. But uh, she's my 16-year-old, very deep thinker, feeler kid. And she proceeds to give us all handwritten letters that she'd written to each person in the family. I got to tell you, we were weeping like babies around the Christmas tree. The things that she said, I, I got to tell you, that was the great, I got that was the greatest Christmas gift I've ever gotten in my life. Sorry, Lauren, yours was great. Madison, yours was great. Um, but there's just something about when you as a father or a parent, you know, you don't see yourself the way your kids see you, but they see you better than you see yourself. There's a lot to say about that. And I just want to testify that to you, you know, um, it's just an amazing gift, but amazing kid. So I want to start with that. Best Christmas ever. Um, more good ones to come, I hope, and pray. Well, Christmas is over. It's done. I know. We feel it, don't we? The holiday frenzy is gone. I mean, you've got empty boxes, wadded up wrapping paper, um, filled up trash cans laying around, right? Unless you're like us and live out in the country and we took everything down. Kyle took everything down and burned it. And uh, that was great. Got rid of it like that, which is a good thing because our trashman didn't come at all this week. I don't understand that. But uh, if you drive by the parsonage, you'll see the trash can full sitting out there. It's been sitting there for three days. We thought he would come, you know, but he never came. But how many of you were able to attend our Christmas Eve service or visit it online? Wasn't that just an awesome service? The, the Lord was here. The music was great. The, it was amazing. The candles, the music, the spirit in the air. That's what really grabbed me. Was There was just a spirit in everyone's hearts. The guy giving the message could have probably done a better job, but you know how that goes. But uh, it's been a long week, right? It was just a wonderful time. And it was wonderful because it was Christmas Eve. That's why it was wonderful. There was this spirit in the air, right? This expectation, this anticipation, this hope. It was awesome and wonderful and this fuzzy feeling and warm feeling Christmas Eve because it was the night before Christmas. And there's just something special about that time. There's just something that draws us in. But let's admit it. Let's be honest with each other. There's a different feel after Christmas than before. 
There's a little different spirit in our hearts and minds today than there was on Christmas Eve. And maybe that's not everybody. Maybe you're like, nope, I still got the spirit and all that. But the truth is, this tends to be kind of the downward motion. A lot of people struggle with depression and feeling blue. And so much goes into, you know, how you get all worked up. And so much goes into that event. And then it's over. And you start to move into what's about to happen. What we feel now is what I call that holiday hangover, right? Uh, Everyone's ripped through the gifts. The empty boxes, wadded up new wrapping paper, sugar headaches. Anybody having any of those? The regret from that one more plate at Christmas dinner. Um, maybe you don't have a regret. Anybody wear their stretchy pants that day? Yeah. You know, today marks the end of the Christmas season for all of us, for most of us. For many of us, we're feeling a little blue. The lights, the trees, the decorations are going to come down soon. Tomorrow will be business as usual. We're headed back to the normal. For many of us, we resume our normal rhythms of life. For many of us, we're all about that. We're ready for that. But for a lot of us, it's like, ah, you know, time off work. I got to go back to work. Time off school. Schools are going to be opening again soon. Back to work. Back to the factory. Back to the office. Back to working online or kids' activities, the appointments, the schedules, the mundane and the grind of everyday life. Christmas, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, is this grand intrusion of God into our lives. The great interruption of angels in the sky bringing this awesome news, and we're excited and pumped about this day. But today, the first day after Christmas... We stand at a threshold. We stand here in what we call the great resumption. We're going to resume life as normal. I think we might call the Christmas season this year a cliffhanger of a story. It's a cliffhanger. The Christmas story is one of these with old prophecies that come true. Miracles, anticipation, expectation. Strange characters coming out of the sky and coming into the lives of Mary and Joseph. Plots and plot twists all throughout this story. It's a story where you cannot wait to see what happens because of this newborn baby. But then the story just sort of ends. It stops. Like we feel today. It's over. We've moved beyond the manger and now we're going back to the mundane. It ends with Joseph and Mary simply going home. Really? (laughs) They're just going to go home after all that's happened to them? We want to see what happens, right? But it leaves us sort of hanging like a good cliffhanger movie. A cliffhanger is a story, a novel, a movie that ends in suspense in order to excite an interest in what comes next. A good cliffhanger will make us want to see the sequel. 
It'll make us look online and watch for that sequel to come out because we have to know what happens. A good cliffhanger is what sends you going back to the bookstore day in and day out, waiting for that author to come out with the next book because the last one left you hanging. Our story of the Messiah's birth has ended and there doesn't seem to be closure. What's this all about? There seems to be these loose ends around our Christmas story. So the story should have created in us this yearning, right? This manger scene, these angels, these wise men, Mary and Joseph, the virgin birth, this whole year of their life, this amazing story should be creating a yearning in us to see what comes next. Y'all should want to see the sequel. You should want to read the rest of the story. You should want to see the next movie We should be on this Sunday asking, now what? Now what? I think one of my favorite but most frustrating cliffhangers of a series were the Lord of the Rings movies. I love those movies. I remember when they first came out. In the first movie, you had the Fellowship of the Ring. And the explanation of this ring that was created by this evil being that This ring was all-powerful, and if he got a hold of this ring, he could destroy the world and overtake man and elf and all the creatures. And Frodo, along with his fellow ring bearers, set out on this journey to destroy the ring. And for the next few hours, there are all sorts of ups and downs, in and outs, excitement, plot twist. And then the story comes to an end, and the movie stops, and you're left hanging they did not reach their destination the ring still existed they did not achieve their objective of the journey you just don't know what happens you have to wait for movie number three (laughs) to see what happens to see what happens to the ring bearers this is a cliffhanger And this is what our Christmas story is to us. The Christmas season is over. God has put on flesh. The miracle of the incarnation has happened. The God who has come into the world to be man and God. But now what? We're in that calendar year, that Christian calendar season of what we call the in-between time. That time between the manger and the new year when we have time to reflect, when we have time to look forward, when we have time to process what has all happened in the Advent season so that we might move forward into this next season of our life and our world. Christmas is over and the new year has yet to come. Now what? What do we do with this newborn king now? Luke gives us this clue toward the end of chapter 2 in the next part of the story we see Mary and Joseph doing something you might not have expected they go back to life as normal but with a different view of the future and God sends people and circumstances for them to understand that even though their life is going back to normal after this miraculous birth, they can have a different view of their future. 
probably a really good thing that God chose Joseph to be the father of Jesus and not me. I mean, can you imagine that last year of his life? I would have been, you know, to Mary like, hey, let's go to Jerusalem and let's go to the temple and, you know, let's hold this Jesus up and show everybody, hey, look, the Son of God. I'm the Father of the Son of God. Bow, right? If it was me, I would have said, who needs this circumcision and this ritual cleaning and cleansing and who needs this dedication to the Lord? I mean, here is the Son of God, the Messiah. We've been waiting for Him. I would have started a whole new religion. The sweet baby Jesus religion. I mean, I would have done something foolish and stupid, right? I mean, can you imagine what Mary and Joseph went through that one year when the angels came and, and virgin birth and Joseph's like, ah, I'm going to divorce her. And the angel comes and says, no, you're not. And they take this trip and this miracle birth and these, these uh, shepherds coming out to see and they're like, what is going on? And this baby, this a miracle baby. You ever wonder what was going through their minds when they went back to the temple? Who needs to keep the law when you got this, right? The Son of God. Then I'd probably hold up in the flesh, you know, for all to see the Son of God. Worship Him. Let me get this baby walking and talking and potty trained and then we'll see what he can really do, right? But that is not what happened. Joseph gathered his wife and his new baby And he did what he was required. Interesting. With the Son of God in his arms, and all the miracles and all the stories and all the amazing things that happened to them in the last year, he did what he was required. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 21, it says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. The miracle birth has happened, and now we get a sense in the story that nothing will ever be the same, especially for Mary and Joseph, right? If you've ever had a new baby, crying babies, no sleep at night, late night feeding, diapers changed. If they had diapers back then, that would have been a mess. Worry and anxiety, one more mouth to feed, for a very poor family. Mary and Joseph got back to their normal. They did what every Hebrew family had done since the time of Abraham. They took their firstborn son to the temple to be circumcised and dedicated to the Lord and to name him. And he named him the name the angel had given him, Jesus, which in their language was Yeshua, which was a form of Joshua. Savior. He is Jesus. The Holy Family got back to the requirements and the responsibilities and the grind of normal life. The mountaintop experiences like the virgin birth of the Son of God often become the memories we need for when we are back in the valley of the normal. 
the mountaintop experiences of Christmas Day and the celebrations and the, the worshiping and the bringing in the new Christ. What a mountaintop experience that must have been. But it was that moment that would just simply become a memory for them as they went back down into the valley of normal life. God draws us into these spiritual moments just to send us back into a world to live out the truth that we saw in the moment. God pulls us into these spiritual moments of a virgin birth, a Christmas story, so that we can take what we've seen and learned and observed and go back into our normal grind life with those truths that we've learned. What has God revealed to you this Advent season? About Himself, about yourself, and about your place in the world. There's good work to do even after Christmas. Christmas becomes a memory that gives us hope in the potential of what God can do through me in my normal day. Luke 22, chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as, he was, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two pigeons. Young pigeons. So they went to the temple. Another routine act for the Holy Family. The law said that there must be a ritual, a cleansing of the mother after the birth of her first child, and the dedication of the firstborn male to the Lord. But the two regulations would cost the family. This is a poor family. The law required a lamb. Luke doesn't say that, but if you go back to Exodus, you'll find that the law actually required a lamb. But Luke mentions a pair of doves or two young pigeons. It also required five shekels for the redeeming of the Son, which is the dedication of Jesus to the Lord. However, the law also provided, in times of hardship, an alternative to a lamb. Two pigeons and doves could be sacrificed. I think Luke wants us to see something amazing here. He says nothing about the five shekels. But he suggests that the Holy Family could only give the hardship gift. I mean, after all that they've been through, after the interruption of their life, the disruption of the normal, the whole year that has just been crazy for them, and here they are dedicating their lives to God for the Son of God. They're dedicating themselves to God. And Mary even says, as you will, Lord, I'm your servant. Do with me as you will. And she lays her life down to raise the Son of God. And think about this. The Lamb of God can't even afford a lamb to be dedicated to God. As you 
are in the in-between Christmas and not yet New Year's. As you begin to reflect and get resolutions for this next year, remember this. Christmas comes, but some things may never change. The miracle of Christmas did not change the family's status in the world. There's still two young parents, poor and insignificant to most of the world. They still are going back to Nazareth, that non-place in Galilee that one disciple said, can anything good come from Nazareth? They still are these poor young parents of this incredible, remarkable baby. Their lives go on with little change, except now they have Jesus. And their perspective on life is different. We worry, listen, we worry way too much about what God can do for us when He is actively working to do something through us. It would have been easy for Mary and Joseph to say, wait a minute, Lord, can't you at least provide a lamb? Do we still have to be poor? This is the Son of God, the King that you have sent as the heir of David's throne. Can't he live in Jerusalem? Can't you give us a little better situation here? And sometimes we go to God wanting him to do something for us. And what God's really wanting to do is something in us so he can do something through us. Then a strange thing happens in the temple. Uh, An old man comes out of nowhere, snatches baby Jesus out of Mary's arms. They call the police. An Amber Alert goes out. No. Simeon, this old, devout Jewish man, he was a righteous man who'd been told by the Lord that he would not die until he saw the coming of the Messiah. Simeon was smart. As he waited for the promise, he went to the temple every day. And here's why he's smart. What does every Jewish family with a firstborn son have to do? They have to come to the temple. Simeon hung out and waited. Simeon showed up and watched. Simeon was all about looking for this promise. Sovereign Lord. And so Simeon takes this baby in his arms and he looks at him and the Spirit of God testifies with his spirit, this is the one. And I'm sure Simeon probably looked at these two rough Nazarene uh, poor kids and thought, what in the world is God doing in this situation? But he looked at this child and the Spirit told him, this is the one. I will redeem every nation with this child. (laughs) And Simeon speaks out and he says, Sovereign Lord. I think there's a scripture verse. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light to, for, in, for revelation to the Gentiles. That's us. And the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said 
about him. And then another old person comes in. I'm not picking on the old people today. It's true. It's in the Bible. Must be true, right? Then another person, old person, Anna, a prophetess. She comes up, says there was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then, he had, then she had been, and then had been widowed for 84 years. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. You know what the strange thing about Anna is? Is that she's of the tribe of Asher. It's not one of those tribes you hear a lot about. When we hear about the tribe of Benjamin and, you know, all that. Did you know that the tribe of Levi were the ones that God set apart as the only tribe who could be the priestly tribe? The tribe that could worship and minister in the temple? And here's this old woman who had been a widow for 84 years, living in the temple, ministering day and night, fasting and praying for her nation and for her people. I think her situation says a lot about the community in which she lived. In that day, if you were widowed and you had no other family, you were basically an outcast. You you didn't have anything. No provision, no safety, no security. That's a big reason why this idea of redemption in the Old Testament, to redeem somebody. You know, know, Ruth was redeemed because she had no family and she was going to live on the streets and maybe die. But Boaz took her in, redeemed her. I think it says a lot about this community that they took a woman of the tribe of Asher into this community of priests so that she might pray and fast and be a part of that community. A widow given a place to live and survive and worship the Lord. Pastor Brett did a great job this week in the weekly video. If you're not watching these weekly videos, you really need to get into our common thread Bible study. It's in your uh, worship guide. We put the videos out every day. We give a little history background of the four passages for the week that we read together. And then on Fridays, we do this common thread that runs through them. And it's really been a blessing to me. And hopefully, we're going to continue the the videos. But Pastor Brett did a great job bringing out some insights. You know, I think what Luke's doing here with Simeon, there's so many messages in the Simeon and Anna story. We could have went in a lot of ways. I want to focus in on this one for a second. I think what Luke is doing here is connecting the old with the new. And this is something we do in community. This is something we do as a church. This is something we do in our faith. There was a connection between in the community, between the, you know, this son of God who was new had Luke was showing us how he's connected to this community that has a past, it has a present, and it has a future. And Jesus comes into this faith community and his parents are doing what is required by that community under the law. Galatians 4.4, Paul says he came and he was born of a woman and born under the law. Even though he was the fulfillment of the law, he was still submitted himself under it and born under it. 
I think the community has this past, present, and future memories, promises, rituals, and expectations. It's in this scene that Simeon and Anna, we see God doing something new, but not really new. The new is actually God keeping an old promise. Simeon had a promise. The people of Israel and the world had a promise. An old promise that God kept on Christmas morning. And Jesus was being connected to that, the new connected to the old. Fred Craddock, who's a great preacher in his own right, said this, Hope is always joined to memory. There, in the in-between of the birth and the hope of what is yet to come, that's that in-between space that we are. That is that cliffing. We are sitting in this time where we look back in memory of what we remember of the Christmas story, but we also have hope for the future because they're all connected. An old man and a woman celebrate the promise kept and rest in the hope of what's yet to come. So Mary and Joseph and Jesus head home back to the normal life, back to their normal play, their work, the stress, the hardship of life. But this time I think they go into their normal with a different perspective. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Here's what I want you to get today. The main point out of all of this is that we have hope today for a better tomorrow because Jesus is yesterday's promise kept. In all of this story, Mary and Joseph heading back to their normal life, Simeon and Anna with the hope that they had for the future, connected to the past, looking at the present, hoping for the future. They, we can have this hope today, even in COVID 2020. Life's turned upside down. You're not sure what 2021 is going to hold. Listen, in this in-between time, we reflect back at what we learned from the Christmas story. Connect to the past as a memory that gives us hope for the future. We have hope today for a better tomorrow. Because Jesus is God's promise kept. So Christmas is over. We're in that in-between time between the excitement of Christmas and the unknown of the new year. This is the week we reflect and we make resolutions. My wife said she needs to sit down and make some resolutions. I said, yes, you do. I don't do resolutions because I can't keep them. No, I, just, I, don't, I don't like resolutions. I just, I don't know. I don't know about them. I might make some resolutions this year. But listen, last year was a difficult one for many of us. A lot of us. Some of you know people that you've lost. Some of you have lost your jobs. You've lost your sense of security financial struggles, not to mention the 
emotional, physical, spiritual weight of 2020. We're all about done with it, right? I mean, aren't we all about done with 2020? It's just been a crazy year. It's been a difficult year. But listen, we Jesus people are a people who look to tomorrow with hope because of what happened in Christmas. We, Jesus people, are a people who look to tomorrow in hope. Why? Because of Jesus. We know tomorrow can be better than yesterday. The gospel is still powerful. It reaches every person that comes in contact with it. It's good news for the broken. It's good news for the lost. It's good news for the oppressed. It's the greatest news for a sinner like me. That God would come and dwell with us and provide a way for us to be in relationship and at peace with Him. Christmas is an old promise kept by God. Simeon and Anna got it as he held that baby in his arms and he had this hope for the future. God had come to be with them. And that makes all the difference. We can have hope today for a better tomorrow because Jesus is yesterday's promise kept. You can say that this year is a cliffhanger. It definitely needs to end now. And we definitely have a desire to see the sequel. Hoping that it's better than the first. As you go into this new year, be strong. Be courageous. Be hopeful. Go. In Jesus' name, go back to your normal. Go back to your jobs. Go back to your schools. Go back to your neighborhoods. Go back to your families with hope, with good news that God is with us in whatever we face. I can say that not every circumstance in your life will change this year. It didn't change for Mary and Joseph. But I can say with confidence that Jesus is building his kingdom. It is the sequel. And it's in production. And he has invited you and me to be a part of this great story. Of what God began in Jesus. Continues today to bring his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. You can be in the sequel The Christmas story. We are the main characters. You and me. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. To proclaim the year of the Lord's salvation. What a great plot. What a great plot. So this is how you should spend your in-between time this week. Reflect on God's promise to keep the Christmas story alive while you resolve to follow Jesus. Obey His call to go with hope to the places 
Yeah, I'll say it. Jesus is calling you to go to the places where, I'm just going to be frank, life sucks for some. And you know what he's calling you to do? To help it suck just a little less. I know. It's, I don't know. Any, maybe I should use a different word. I don't know. Kind of gets the point though, right? Some people are just, they need this good news. Let's pray this morning. Our Father, we come to you and we're going to close this service today and we're going to go home. And This year has been a cliffhanger. Christmas is a cliffhanger. But we are actively jumping in to the sequel as characters in the story that you've invited us to be in. We're going to go, Lord, and we're going to make a difference this year. We're going to help the, 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 those in prison be free. We're going to share the good news of the gospel. We're going to make people's lives better. We're going to go into this next year hopeful that you go before us, you go with us. We're going to hold on to this memory of Christmas, but we're going to look forward in hope for all the good things that are going to happen. I thank you, Lord, for bringing us through this year. I thank you for keeping us safe. I thank you, Lord, for all the good things that are happening with the science and the medicine and our, our medical workers. And we're thankful, Lord. We know that you're part of that. We give you glory for it. But this year, Lord, we just pray that you continue to make us one. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you and uh, go into the new year, hopeful. All right. You're all dismissed.